Rolling left. Eyes downfield. Great protection. Wide open. George Kittle inside the 10. Touchdown San Francisco. Whoa, baby. That's 61 yards. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. You can find the uh, the podcast Twitter at RGS Pod. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Anthony Perry. Anthony, let the folks know where to find you on Twitter and how you doing tonight, man. What is going on, Faithful? It is your boy Perry back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, what's going on, Zach? You know, as normal, to find me on Twitter. Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. And uh, dude, I am still hyped about this game. I cannot believe they went out there and they slaughtered the Packers, dude. They turned them into Swiss cheese heads. That's how bad the game was, bro. 37 to 8. Oh my God. And I mean, my prediction was what, 28 to 24? I mean, I kind of hit on the Niners going over, but... uh. Man, that defense is locked down, dude. Let's get right into it, man. This was one hell of a game. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was. And uh, we were just talking right now before we started recording. It was a hell of a game in the best way possible that it wasn't edge of your seat hell of a game. It wasn't, uh, I'm not quite sure we're going to win this hell of a game. It was a hell of a game that you could enjoy it. You could, you know, sit down, relax, and not, you know, really fear that the game, you were, you, they might not win it. Uh, Just a quick recap, just like Anthony said, the 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football at home uh, with a final score of 37-8. And uh, some quick stats, Jimmy Garoppolo is 14 of 20 with 253 yards, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a uh, passer rating of 145.8. That's pretty good. And then going on to rushing, the 49ers as a team totaled 112 yards rushing. Their leading rusher was Raheem Mostert. He had 45 yards on six carries, a touchdown, and then uh, Tevin Coleman held him out with 39 yards on 11 carries, with another touchdown on the ground as well. Receiving, we got back to another big uh, game receiving, somewhat at least, with George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders coming back. And although Emmanuel Sanders only had one catch for 15 yards, um, George Kittle back back in the lineup, back in the spotlight. Six receptions for 129 yards, averaging 21.5 yards a pop. One touchdown and that long 61-yard pass. And, man, Debo Samuel, two receptions for 50 yards and a 42-yard you know, uh, long pass as well. So the 49ers as an offense, they're, they're starting to pick back up. Um, also, the defense, you know, Fred Warner, we'll get into him a little later, still playing like a, a man possessed, a man on fire. Um, Anthony, what stuck out to you the most about this win? You know, the one thing I talked about in the last podcast was that if the team wanted to beat Aaron Rodgers, it wasn't just about pressuring him, but it was about staying consistent also and staying consistent throughout the game. And I'm specifically talking about the defense. And, uh, dude, the defense was phenomenal tonight. They allowed 198 total yards of offense to the Packers, only 81 passing yards, 117 rushing yards. You know, keep in mind, a handful of those rushing yards were in garbage time, too, when the game was out of play. So, overall, man, the defense was just fantastic. Also, too, yards per play, the Niners against the Packers, they allowed 2.8 yards per play. That is unheard of. And, I mean, we're talking about 85 Bears, Steel Curtain-type defense, Legion of Boom-type defense. The Niners are playing defense at a, you know at a rate that, I would have never thought they would be at it this season. Now, I knew they would be pretty damn good, but I didn't think they'd be really damn good. And they're proving a lot of people wrong. They're proving everyone who thought that this defense wasn't going to be too much wrong, that Robert Sala was just a clown of a defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, that's all I can say, dude. The biggest takeaway from this game is that they were consistent, especially on both sides of the ball, but more importantly, the defensive side of the ball, man. Aaron Rodgers had no time to throw. Wide receivers were not getting open. You know, Rodgers was relegated to checkdowns all night. And that just goes to show how impactful the defense was as a whole. Yeah, I mean, the defense, they really set the tone early right away, getting that uh, forced fumble on their opening drive, the Packers opening drive, that is. And, uh, you know, we've seen the offense kind of come out, start flat early on and kind of dig themselves in a hole that they have to get out of. 
and then retake the lead or take the lead for the first time later on in the game. We didn't see that today. Uh, that I think that's what's two things in particular stuck out to me the most today. Uh, one being just what I mentioned right now. The 49ers got out with the foot on the gas and they kept their foot on the gas until the end of the fourth quarter. They did not come out flat. They did not come out and uh, hoping for one side of the team, the defense or the offense, whichever it may be, to kind of support them until they got their ish together. They came out all cylinders firing, ready to win this game, knowing all you know all the spotlights on them. This is a national game, and you know it was being hyped up as probably the best game of the season so far coming into it, and they delivered. They completely delivered. Um, the second thing that stuck out to me the most was they played a turnover-free game. Um, that is huge. That is huge for this team. That's huge for Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen how many times um, he's you know made some bonehead passes, uh, especially on key moments, going down to the red zone, uh, or got tackled and fumbled, excuse me, uh, sacked and fumbled. So the fact that they were able to kind of prevent that from happening tonight, I think was huge. And, you know, it, it just shows that they were really committed to taking care of the football. They were really committed to not beating up themselves. Um, now, moving on to what you just said about, you know, the, the 49ers defense just playing lights out. And that was, that's what stuck out to you the most. Do you think the 49ers defense had a great night and keeping in track with that historical run that they've been on? Or would you say more so that the Packers offense just had a bad night instead? No, Zach, this defense is legit. Uh, the offense did well, obviously the Packers offense struggled, but they were one of the most effective and efficient offenses in the league. So you don't come into a game like this struggle and say, I'm not saying you said this, but I'm just saying as a whole, Oh, the Packers are just bad on offense. I mean, they were, but dude, this defense is real dog. This defense is absolutely insane. They shut down Aaron Rodgers. They shut down the wide receivers. Again, the Packers average 2.8 yards per play, per play. So if you go if you go four downs at 2.8 yards per play, four total downs, you're barely converting as a whole. That is absolutely unreal. And another thing too, on the night, the Packers only converted third down 6% of the time. I think they were one for 15, and literally that one conversion was in garbage time with the backup quarterback, who, by the way, had a better quarterback rating than Aaron Rodgers. I'm joking. Well, he really did, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is bad. But the point being is that the defense was legit, dude. This defense can match up against any offense. And I know, you know, coming up against Baltimore, they tend to struggle against mobile quarterbacks. But I think having that experience against the mobile quarterbacks and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson the past few weeks prior to this, and even Aaron Rodgers can run a little bit, should be really beneficial going forward. But focusing on this game, man, the defense was absolutely lights out. And another thing to keep in mind, too, the Packers' time of possession dominated the Niners. The Packers had the ball for 35 minutes. The Niners, only 24. So you could picture how long the defense was on the field for, whether it's garbage time or not and still pretty much shows how effective the team was. I think the Packers' longest drive was that touchdown drive, and that took up like eight minutes. And then the next drive, George Kittle, the Niners, they score in 57 seconds. That is unheard of. So overall, man, the defense is legit, dude. This defense can go up against any team, and they can make a name for themselves really quickly, just like they did tonight. Yeah, I actually I have to agree with you in the fact that uh, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't the Packers uh, offense just forgot to get off the plane. No, this 49ers defense is for real. And uh, my reasoning would be that you saw the Packers offense struggle against a similar style uh, defense in the Los Angeles Chargers earlier in the year. Um, and I would say that the 49ers are more, you know, they're more talented. They do what the Chargers do even better. So it's 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 no you know mistake that the the excuse me the Packers offense wasn't able to do anything for most of the night, um, besides that one long scoring touchdown drive that you just referenced. So I think that it's you know it's a taste of what this 49ers defense can do when they're all together firing on all cylinders. And keep in mind this was without D Ford. D Ford wasn't even in there tonight, so they really could have been even better. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a magician. He's a, you know, maybe you could argue not so mobile Russell Wilson. Um, some call him the greatest passer to ever play. Extremely accurate, accurate down the field, extends plays. 
we didn't see too much of that from him tonight. Um, the 49ers defense, for the most part, kept him in check. They didn't allow him to roll out, extend plays. Um, I, I saw one play in particular where he got really, really upset with the refs because um, the 49ers jumped off sides and uh, the refs blew the play dead instead of letting him have the free play. And then uh, NBC, Sunday Night Football, they showed a stat that he was something ridiculous like 34 for 34 on free plays. Like, that's insane. He just knows what to do with the ball. And the fact that the 49ers defense knew essentially where their weakness could be and um, just didn't allow him to exploit it. They they played sound. Jimmy Ward played great. Fred Warner played great. We'll get into that in a bit. But it was just it was just fantastic to see, man. Um, sticking along the 49ers defense, uh, Coach Shanahan said um, afterwards that they were trying to ease cornerback Akella Witherspoon back into things as he's coming back from his injury. What did you uh, think about what you saw from him tonight? Did he play well? Yeah, Kelly Witherspoon looked solid, dude. Um, matched up against Devontae Adams most of the night, it felt like. Even up against John Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It seemed like, you know, Spoon was just all over the field. But what stood out to me the most, man, was him going up against Devontae Adams. And Adams was just completely shut out. I think he had, what, a couple catches, if I'm not mistaken? Let me go to my awesome notes here. Here it is. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 43 yards, basically a garbage time touchdown on 12 targets. So Rodgers was looking his way the whole night, and yet he, you know, 43 yards, seven catches, couldn't really get much going, obviously outside of a touchdown. So overall, Akello Weatherspoon against Devontae Adams looked really good. It didn't even look like Weatherspoon was hurt at all. It looked like he didn't miss a beat. And again, I think Shanahan made the right call to just ease him back into the game. I mean, obviously going up against Devontae Adams isn't exactly easing it into the game, but overall, man, Spoon looked really good. He looked like he's starting to round out into shape again. He looks like he's starting to pick up from where he left off after he got hurt in, what, week three? So overall, Spoon's development and his ability to play and ball out against top receivers like Devontae Adams isn't only good for this season, but it's good for the future, man, because, you know, Sherman's going to get old. You know, we got to see if Mosley can stay consistent, and I'm sure he will. But uh, overall, dude, Spoon was really good. He was fantastic against Devontae Adams, and, you know, the only way to go is up for him. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud, and he looks like – He's going to be a you know a big corner piece moving forward for this defense, especially you know when the Niners have the chance to make a deep playoff run. You know whether Spoon gets more playing time or not is yet to be determined, but he's taking steps in the right direction and moving forward. I would really make him my starting corner opposite Richard Sherman, and I know Mosley's been nice, but man, Spoon looks really, really good. Yeah, and it's it's a great problem to have. It's like having uh, too many good, talented pass rushers. The 49ers, they have two really good corners, essentially, and they found gold, you know, maybe too early to say that, but they found a really good player at the at the least in Emmanuel Mosley, a player who fits well in this scheme and is soaking up everything while he can. And it's a great problem to have, uh, trying to fit in where you could put Akella Witherspoon, who is a really, really talented corner, who was coming into his own before he got injured, so it's an embarrassment of riches is what I'm trying to say that the 49ers have right now. And if you would have told me a couple of years ago that they have too many talented cornerbacks to where they can't just throw one back in as soon as he's healthy, I would have thought you were crazy. So it's just, I, I, I did like what I saw from Witherspoon tonight. Like you said, he was on um, Adams most of the night. Adams had a very quiet night. Um, and there was one play in particular where he was, you know, stride for stride with Adams down the field Rodgers targeted him, and it could have easily have been called pass interference. I'm glad it wasn't, but um, I think that that was a very, very close one. But he was really, really covering Adams really well. So that that was nice to see as he gets back into things. And I think he actually, I could be wrong, but I think he ended up just finishing the game flat out uh, as, as, you know, playing the game instead of being pulled in and out for Mosley. Um, sticking with the defense, we kind of uh, referenced him earlier. Linebacker Fred Warner, who is continuing to play out of his mind. Would you say that he's having an all-pro type season? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely, Fred Warner is having an all-pro type season. 
Uh, the guy looks like he's filling in big shoes for you know linebackers of the past, like Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, even Chris Borland, who's really good. But uh, dude, Fred Warner is the absolute real deal. On the night, 11 tackles, one forced fumble, a sack. The guy is playing at an all-pro level. Now, you know, it's hard to rival him with guys like Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, uh, you, you know, the, the really good list of linebackers. But Fred Warner's up there. He's arguably a top five Mike linebacker at this point. I mean, he wears the green dot for a reason. The guy's calling the plays on the field. He knows what he sees. And it's so rare to see a player literally get better each and every game. But that's what's happening with Fred Warner, man. Fred Warner is improving every game. He's learning. He's diagnosing faster. He's attacking faster. And it's getting to a point where you can almost you know, expect him to force a fumble at least once per game. That's how good the dude is. So again, 11 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble. If the guy isn't playing at an all pro level, he sure as hell is playing at a pro bowl level. And, you know, he deserves to get votes. He deserves to be there. And there's not much more to say, dude. Fred Warner is a real deal. And all I can say is, is God, the Niners got to bring him back, man. This defense is going to be expensive. Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, uh, God, any of the other guys who are even on one year contracts or cheap two year contracts, you know, they, they're going to have to get locked up. But, uh, you know, not looking at the sad part of that. Fred Warner is a stud, man. Fred Warner is a baller. He's going to be a future keystone at the linebacker position for the Niners for years to come. And tonight's game was just more proof as to why Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in the game, especially at his age. And I think the fact that he's doing all of this uh, without Quan Alexander there to kind of help him, you know, his play and help him just keep things in line. He's doing it out all with him as the sole leader. He doesn't have the, I don't want to say big brother type, but he doesn't have the more experienced veteran on the field right next to him kind of confirming that he's seeing the right reads, that he's you know in the right space. He's the one that's doing that right now, and he's helping Greenlaw. You know, He's, he's filling that role for Greenlaw as Alexander was for him. So I think it just speaks, speaks volume as to the type of player and to the type of man that he is. And I, I, I would say you know he's having an all-pro type year, whether he gets the votes, that's another story. However, he's definitely he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. He's having that type of caliber of year. And it's just, to be honest with you, he's miles and miles ahead of where his um, production and just his level of play should be. So the 49ers, you know, we were t- talking about striking gold. They struck gold with Fred Warner. They couldn't have asked for a better player in the middle, uh, early to middle rounds of the draft. I mean, the, he, he wears that green dot. Like you said, he's the cornerback of their defense. And there's just, you couldn't have asked for better play from him. And ever since Quan went out with the torn peck, he has stepped it up. There has been nobody who has been playing at as high of a level as Quan, uh, excuse me, as Fred Warner has for this 49ers defense. And it just shows. It just shows every Sunday, every Monday, whatever night they're playing, Look for Fred Warner more often than not. He's right on the ball. He's making a play. He's punching the ball out. Whatever it may be, Fred Warner is usually there doing it. Uh, Moving on to the other side of the ball, the uh, 49ers offense. Jimmy Garoppolo, he played yet another solid game. Um, Do you think that he's turning that page in his career where he's kind of becoming more of a reliable starter that the team can lean on rather than, you know, Hits and misses, really good games, followed by, uh, oh my God, why did he throw that type throws? Followed by a, you know, kind of 100 yards, 130 yards passing game. Um, not that I could name any off the top of my head, but you know you know what I'm saying. Do you think that he's turning that page into where he could be a consistent starter that the team can rely on to play at a high level? All I'm going to say, bro, 14-20, 253 yards on only 14 completed passes. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. He only fumbled the ball one time on a kind of bad snap. But, I mean, outside of that, dude, bad Jimmy Garoppolo didn't show up. Tonight was good Jimmy Garoppolo. Tonight was elite JG. And uh, overall, man, yeah, I think he's turning the page. I don't want to hear an excuse about how the pa- or excuse me, how Garoppolo and the Niners faced a weak defense. Now, I know they faced a weak defense, but, dude, uh, the Niners offense only had the ball for 24 minutes. If you know, 
I tweeted out earlier, but if I were to tell you that the Niners only had the ball for 24 minutes out of a possible 60 and the Packers had 35, you would have thought that the Packers killed the Niners. But uh, nah, dude, you know, the Niners barely had the ball for much of the game. So you're thinking, well, the team can't necessarily get in good rhythm. But uh, dude, what what more can I say, man? Garoppolo's a real deal. I, I do agree with you. I think he's turning a page. I think he's turning into that type of quarterback that everyone's been expecting. And overall, man, he just he's just solid. Nine of his 14 passes were completed for first downs. Um, the Niners as a whole, three of nine on third down, not their best night, but it doesn't really matter when Garoppolo was throwing touchdowns on, you know, one passes or one pass, excuse me. So overall, the offense was absolutely efficient. They were averaging seven and a half yards per play. And the crazy thing too, like I said, the Niners offense only had the ball for 24 minutes. The offense as a whole only ran 45 plays. You know, with today's high scoring offenses and the way things work, offenses tend to run about 50, 55, even 60 plays per game. The Niners only ran 45. The Packers in comparison ran 70 offensive plays to the Niners is 45. So overall, man, Jimmy Garoppolo is the captain of this team. He's got the helm of the ship, dude. He can do whatever he wants. Again, the guy is just efficient. The guy is a solid quarterback, and we need him to step it up at a time like this. You know, the playoffs are coming, the big games. And I mean, this was a huge game, but, you know, Baltimore is next in line, and then uh, New Orleans, and then I think Atlanta, and then Seattle, and Los Angeles, you know? So every game matters at this point. If Garoppolo even plays at, you know, a solid and relatively. I guess game manage and efficient type of night like this, the Niners could be looking at a 15 and one type season, dude. That's, you know, that's just the ceiling of what the Niners could do. That's overall, man. That's just how good Garoppolo is. He's turning the page. He's ready to play. And he already looks like he's poised to take this team deep, deep, deep into the playoffs. And you say 15 and one, and I hate to be that guy, but it would be 15 and one with a little asterisk there noting that, that one loss is a fluke of a loss. Shouldn't have happened due to a shank kick by a rookie kicker. You know what I mean? So just, I had, I had to throw that out there. But I, t- I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you on the fact that, you know, if the 49ers continue to get this level of play uh, from Jimmy Garoppolo, that they're going to be a hard team to beat. Uh, they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat uh, when they're firing on all cylinders. Jimmy's taking care of the ball. Jimmy's throwing the ball well. He's making good decisions. Uh, they're, they're essentially a complete team. So I don't think any team wants to come in here and face the 49ers right now. Uh, I don't think any team's going to want to come in here in, in January and face the 49ers. So it's just, you know, it, it, it's I, I agree that Jimmy is turning that page. And I actually do think the 49ers can start to lean on him a little more uh, if need be. If the running game's not there, whatever it may be, if they find themselves in a big hole and they don't have time to get the running game going or continue on it if it's not working, I think they can lean on him and I think he will uh, deliver. Like I've said in previous episodes, we have to remember he's a young quarterback starting experience wise. So as he continues to get more experience, as he continues to grow as a player, mentally, physically, whatever it may be, he's going to continue to develop and get better as a quarterback. So with all that, with all that said, excuse me, I definitely think that the 49ers have their quarterback. I think this guy is capable of leading them into a playoff run. And um, I think that it's going to be a hell of a couple of games coming up between the Saints and the Ravens that the 49ers have on their schedule. And I mean, you could argue that the rest of their season, you could argue the playoff started tonight for the 49ers. And the only caveat would be that it's not single elimination right now. Um, but it, it all has to do with seeding, man. It all has to do with seeding. So you could argue the 49ers are playing already in the playoffs, just the stakes aren't as high. So it, it just, you know, the 49ers team definitely showed up tonight, and I think that says a lot about them. Um, you know, I kind of alluded to the running game right now. What did you think of the running game tonight? The team as a whole totaled 100 yards rushing. However, no single runner kind of stood out. Do you think that the 49ers are doing the right thing to get back on track? Or do you think that it's something to be concerned about moving forward? So in our last podcast, I kind of brought up how I didn't think the run game was going to necessarily get going. And I, I guess I was right. 
I mean, overall, they ran for 112 yards. Um, not really typical to what Kyle Shanahan's run game offense consists of. I mean, this season they were averaging, what, 180, 190, some insane number, second in the league. But, uh, you know, the run game turned in the right direction, and I think a lot of it really was on George Kittle's blocking. And now I think a couple episodes ago I was talking about how I I wasn't too sure how effective Kittle really could be, but man, I I need my words real fast, dude. George Kittle's blocking is so important, and I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, this is just a tight end, man, and I know he's the best blocking tight end in the league. Don't get me wrong, but I'm thinking, you know, Shanahan and these guys should be able to coach around a missing tight end, but I overlooked how important his blocking was, and now I see why how or excuse me, I see how important his blocking is. So having Kittle back, I think that's really good for the run game moving forward. I still would have hoped that the run game could have been a little more efficient because, you know, it was tough sledding for most of those guys. You know, Raheem Mostert, six carries, 45 yards, one touchdown. He averaged seven and a half, which was good. But, you know, a few of those carries weren't garbage time. Uh, The guy who ate up most of the carries on the night, Tevin Coleman, 11 carries, 39 yards. He averaged three and a half. you know, overall, he struggled. He couldn't find many running lanes. The Packers were closing in very quickly, and it just wasn't too efficient. And then, obviously, Jeff Wilson, you know, two carries, 27 yards. My guy still wish he'd get more playing time. But uh, I digress, man. The run game, it, it could have been a lot better. I really thought it could have, you know, gone well moving forward. But overall, it's good to see it going in the right direction. It's good to see that Kittle's blocking is affecting it. And I think another week in when Baltimore comes to town or we come to Baltimore, uh, another time of, or how do I say it? Another week of Kittle being healthy is going to be good for the team moving forward. You know, I guess he was playing with a broken ankle or he had like a bone chip or something. So he wasn't fully healthy, even though he didn't look like it. But again, more time for Kittle to get healthy, more time for the team to work on the run game moving forward, because I think it's still kind of frustrating Shanahan that the run game can't necessarily get going. But again, I digress, dude. It was a lot better than it has been the previous few weeks. It's good to see all the guys moving forward and moving forward. It's going to be huge to get the run game going because Baltimore is going to be one hell of a task against these guys. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was not a bad night per se, uh, running the ball. However, you definitely wanted to see more from the 49ers ground game. Uh, I think coming into this, the Packers were giving up something like 150 yards on the ground or something. So they weren't far off. Um, but you know, they were up big pretty much the whole night. So I don't think there was really any reason that they couldn't have ran the ball a little more, but you know, it is what it is. I definitely think they took a step in the right direction, which is a plus. Um, they didn't get away from the ground game, obviously, if, since they were up. However, you know, you look back at the games in Seattle and uh, Arizona the previous two weeks, the 49ers did just about nothing on the ground. And they seemed to be, you know, content, complacent with accepting the fact that the running game wasn't going to work. And it's 100% on Jimmy now. And the fact that that wasn't the case this week, they were able to, to keep running, even though they were, you know, they had the lead, even when it was still, a, you know, one or two score game, they didn't really get away from it. So I think it was a step in the right direction. Um, I think they definitely need to continue to work on it. Whatever they were doing in the beginning of the season, it's not able to, you know, it wasn't able to carry on till now. You could argue they were playing, you know, worse defenses, whatever it may be. However, they still need to get back to that place because as they're getting into Baltimore, New Orleans, Seattle again, even Atlanta is kind of a resurgent team right now. And then, um, you know, it just, they need, excuse me, they need to be able to run the clock out. They need to be able to find success on the ground in order to alleviate some of the pressure from Jimmy and the receivers. So with all that being said, step in the right direction. However, they need to continue to get more better. It wasn't as big of a step that we would have liked to have seen. Um, any closing thoughts, Anthony? This isn't going to be um, as long of a podcast as we normally do, guys. We really wanted to get this out to you guys right away, right after the win. We were pumped. We were hyped. Um, so I just want to know, Anthony, whatever closing thoughts you have before we get into kind of our RGS mailbag and our standard shout-outs uh, about this 49ers big win over the Green Bay Packers. 
After Justin School got benched, Daniel Brunskill played himself into a starting role very quickly. Now, his performance was better than Justin School's. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like an elite, elite improvement. But dude, Justin School was getting owned by Zadarius Smith and even Preston Smith. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan made the call to bench him, put uh, Daniel Brunskill in, move him to left tackle. And ultimately, it worked out. Zedaria Smith, dude, he's still a solid edge guy. Finished with one and a half sacks. I felt like he had a ton of pressure on Garoppolo. But uh, overall, man, Brunskill's uh, play was huge for the team going forward. And then another little shout-out until we get to our big shout-outs was, uh, you know, Garoppolo only completed 14 passes, dude. 14. And to be, go out there and still be as efficient as it was is impressive, man. You know, Wide receivers only caught five passes. Emmanuel Sanders had one. Kendrick Bourne had two. Debo Samuel had two. You know, obviously the other catches were George Kittle six. Tevin Coleman also had two. Raheem Mostert had one. So the wide receiver production still isn't where we want it to be. Although we didn't need it to be that productive, but I digress. Debo Samuel still had a huge touchdown. Kendrick Bourne had some clutch catches. Even Emmanuel Sanders went in there and had a clutch catch. So moving forward, dude, you know, we've all been wanting and screaming for the wide receivers to step in and have one hell of a game. Well, if we're going out there and pitching games like we did tonight, then the wide receivers don't necessarily need to step up. Although I do believe when it does matter, I think the wide receivers will step up. But uh, overall, man, the entire offense was efficient. The entire defense was efficient. And uh, I can't wait to get into another podcast, dude. But uh, let's get into these shout-outs, man. I'm really excited to have a lot of fun stats to bring off to you. Okay, yeah. Um, so for the first shout-out that I have, um, and yeah, just like you said, we have a bunch to get into. However, um, the first one, I'm going to go citing Nick Wagner from ESPN. Uh, he tweeted out earlier tonight that the 49ers had five sacks tonight on Aaron Rodgers. They now have 44 for the season, uh, which is the most in the NFL currently. And it's also the most in the season since 2009, which they also totaled 44. So that's just a hell of a difference when you go back to last year when they just could not seem to get home on their pressure. Um, 44 sacks through what 11 games. It's just it's amazing. I mean, what, they're averaging four sacks a game? So that that's my first shout out. I'll switch it over to Anthony. Anthony, what you got for us? Okay, so I'm going to do a player shout out and then I'm going to do a couple team shout outs. So uh, let's get it rolling, man. Eric Armstead, double digit sack season. He's got 10. He had nine sacks in his first four seasons combined. So shout out to Eric Armstead, dude. Make that money. And then some team shout outs. The Niners, they've held opposing quarterbacks to fewer than two fantasy points in the first half. I know I'm a pretty big fantasy dude. And I know a lot of you guys are, but... uh. Man, the Niners' defense is something else. And then finally, another really significant stat. The Niners have had three or more sacks in eight straight games. It's the first time any team has done that since the sack has been recorded in 1982. That is insane, dude. Three or more sacks in eight straight games. First time the sack's been recorded since 1982. That's something else, man. I just can't get over how unreal this defense is. I mean, it's it's quite literally historical. It, it's amazing. And um, the fact that it's this 49ers team, it kind of makes you feel like they have what it takes to go all the way. And I don't want to sound like, you know, a Homer fan. I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm biased, even though I know I am. It's just, it, it really, you really do feel like there's something special brewing here in the 49ers locker room. And I just really, really hope they can continue to translate it onto the football field every week. Um, I have two shout-outs for you. Uh, this one's from Next Gen Stats, and they tweeted out earlier to the, uh, tonight that Aaron Rodgers did not complete a pass over 10 air yards. He was 0 for 8. This is for the first time in a game that he finished in net, uh, excuse me, Next Gen Stats era, which is not too far. It's only going back to 2016, but still, I mean, that's in the last three years. This is the only time he did not complete a pass for 10 yards plus, and he attempted eight of them tonight. So the 49ers' pass defense was was stout. Um, the 49ers also have only allowed four deep completions, which are 20-plus air yards all season, which is the fewest in the NFL. 
And then uh, my last one for right now, before I switch it back over to Anthony, the 49ers only allowed 1.9 yards per pass to the Green Bay Packers. Can you imagine that? That's like a that's like a horrible rushing rushing amount. Think about that for passing 1.9 yards per pass. Uh, that's per ESPN. So you know we've been saying this defense is for real all year. We're just providing the numbers now to prove it. Anthony, what else you got for us? So a couple of a little more unique stats. The Niners, they've scored 90 points off of turnovers this season. That's tied second most in the NFL. Compared to last season, dude, they had only scored 16 points off turnovers. Obviously, that's because of you know how few of turnovers they had. It still makes me cry to this day. But uh, nah, dude, the team is uh, make, uh, scoring points off of turnovers. And that's really effective, dude. That's how you win games. That's how you go deep in the playoffs is you take advantage of every little opportunity the other team gives you. And moving forward, dude, the Niners got to keep that up if they really want to, you know, they really want to make a name for themselves. But uh, one more unique stat, uh, one more unique stat, excuse me. Aaron Rodgers' sack fumble at the very beginning of the game. That was the first opening drive turnover for the Packers since week 17 and 2017. So the Packers, dude, especially Aaron Rodgers, a really efficient quarterback, hardly ever turns the ball over, especially in his career. And that's the first time the Packers turned the ball over in two years on the opening drive. So, you know, you make a statement in the beginning of the game like that, you finish the game with a statement, just like Raheem Mostert's touchdown. And, uh, Nah, man, I don't have any more shout-outs, dude. Overall, the defense was efficient. The offense was efficient. The Niners, every game this season, whether they lost to Seattle or they're winning by blowouts or they're winning close games, every game is a statement for these guys. And going into Baltimore, dude, I know Baltimore is a good team, but uh, I think they need to be ready for the Niners, man, because the Niners are going to come out there, and they're going to come out there hungry. Man, those are some stats right there. Um, I have three quick ones to kind of get into you guys. Three more shout-outs, and then we'll get into our RGS mailbag. Uh, The first one kind of ties into what you just said as far as going into Baltimore, and the Baltimore Ravens are the ones that need to be ready. Uh, Richard Sherman, post-game, he was quoted as saying, Apparently nobody had to play us. We just have to play everybody. We're just a punching bag that people come and punch on, but we don't worry about the outside noise. And he's kind of, you know, if you guys don't understand that, he's kind of saying... We're not getting any respect. Nobody has to come play the 49ers. The 49ers are the ones that are essentially, they're saying are the underdogs. They have to go play the Ravens. They have to go play the Saints. It's not being the title. The narratives aren't coming out that, oh, well, the Saints still have to beat the 49ers. And I'm not quite sure why, because they've done just about everything in their power to prove that they should be respected as an NFC uh, heavyweight. Also, my next shout out goes to uh, Will Cuberos on Twitter. I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Uh, he tweeted out that the 49ers played the Panthers and the Packers, both teams coming off bye weeks this season, and the 49ers outscored both of them a combined 88-21, to which is just amazing. You know, usually when a team has two weeks to prepare for you, they, they're going to they're gonna give you some looks. They're going to know what they're, they're doing, and that wasn't really the case against these two teams. And my last one, uh, Kyle Madsen on Twitter, he kind of broke down the Green Bay Packers drives tonight. And it was, they started off with a fumble for negative 13 yards, a punt for six yards, a punt for one yard, a punt for negative three yards, a turnover on downs after 52 yards, a punt after zero yards, a punt after four yards, a punt after negative seven yards. Then they had their one touchdown drive for 65 yards, another turnover on downs for 44 yards, and then they had a 60 yard drive to end the game. So this 49ers defense is legit. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Like I said earlier, we're giving you all the stats to back it up. Um, If you don't, I know you guys are listening to this podcast, so you're probably 49ers fans. However, if you aren't a 49ers fan and you're just checking us out, you really, really need to understand that this 49ers defense, they're coming to play every single game, every single matchup, and um, they've done nothing but prove that they should be considered one of the best, if not the best, in the league. Now, that wrapping it up for our standard shout-outs, um, if you guys see anything that you want to be included in this, just tweet at us, um, hashtag standard shout-out, tweet at us, RGS pod, whatever it may be. Uh, getting into our RGS mailbag now. Anthony, you kind of alluded to this earlier. We have a question from um, our faithful listener, Natalie Ray. She, she kind of questioned you know, the fact that Shanahan 
did go ahead and pull Justin School and replaced him with Daniel Brunskill after School was kind of getting worked all night. Do you think that was the move of the game? Why or why not? Um, yeah, man, I agree entirely. That was the move of the game. You know, you go out there and you see that Justin School is getting hammered by Zadarius Smith. And imagine if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're thinking, okay, I believe in the guy. He needs to go out there. He just needs to get his feet wet. And he keeps getting hammered all game. You can't let that happen. Not to Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, Kyle Shanahan made that switch fast. I think he made it in the first quarter. That's how fast Justin School got taken out for Daniel Brunskill. And the the results were immediately noticeable, dude. I, I don't know if Daniel Brunskill was getting help from a tight end. Uh, we have to watch the game film tomorrow, but uh, it felt like once Brunskill went in, you weren't hearing Zadarius Smith or even Preston Smith's name called upon much at all. So I, I agree, dude. That was the move of the game. And quite arguably, Daniel Brunskill saved Garoppolo, dude. If Justin School would have stayed in, oh, God, I, I don't think Garoppolo would have came out of the game healthy. That's just how bad school was overall. Yeah, um, I got to agree with you. It's kind of hard not to. Um, I, I think I tweeted it earlier, but the fact that, when, you know, kind of when it was happening, just like you said, it wasn't a factor anymore. As soon as Brunskill came in and he kind of alleviated that pressure, Jimmy, I don't know if he got sacked again. He might have, but it definitely wasn't as big of a factor for the 49ers offense. Uh, they were School was getting worked and it was just constantly getting pushed back, constantly getting pushed into Jimmy, constantly getting sacked. And you could tell Jimmy just looked off. He didn't look comfortable. He he, he almost was feeling the, the footsteps behind him before they were even there. And the fact that Brunskill was able to come in and play the other side of the line that he was used, used to playing. And, you know, he filled in pr- pretty flawlessly. So I got to give my hat, take, take my hat off to Daniel Brunskill. And hopefully, you know, Justin School was just having an off night because for the most part, he had been solid filling in for um, Joe Staley. So hopefully it's nothing, you know, major and he can get back to if Joe Staley's not able to go next week or the week after that. Hopefully school's able to come back in. And if not, you know, at least the 49ers know what they have in Brunskill. Two very talented backup linemen, which is a, a luxury in this league. Um, we have another question from Always Playing on Twitter. Um, he said that the 49ers have struggled against mobile quarterbacks this season. Can their defense shut down Lamar Jackson next week when they play the Baltimore Ravens? Can they shut him down or do they have to settle for slowing him down? Uh, and will the offense need to find a way to just to outscore the Ravens and accept the fact that they their defense will not be able to handle him? So when we get into our breakdown of the Ravens next week, or excuse me, this coming week, I'm going to save my opinion for then, but all I'm going to say is, is I think that Ravens' offense, more so the passing attack, is a little overrated. I, I really think that, I'm not doubting Lamar Jackson at all. I think he's a great quarterback, but he still has some throwing mechanics he needs to work on. And quite honestly, outside of Hollywood Brown and maybe Mark Andrews, who's having a solid season, his receiving options aren't that good. And it's comparable to how the Packers is receiving options were tonight. I mean, besides from Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers himself didn't have much to throw to. And again, we'll get into it more when we do break down the Ravens game or when we do deep dive into the Ravens game. But uh, all I'm going to say is, is when they play Lamar Jackson, they're going to have to prepare for the deep threat. And they're also going to have to prepare for how well he runs. And, you know, to, to the main point of the question, I think, you know, Lamar Jackson throws well when he has to, but it's not always going to be consistent but you always have to worry about him running. So with how dynamic of of a player he is as a whole, I think I'm going to roll with the the Niners are going to have to slow him down instead of necessarily stopping him because we saw how bad they struggled against the mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm really hoping that it's not the same story against Lamar Jackson, but we'll have to see how practice goes. We'll have to see how they're preparing and we'll really get into it moving forward. But overall, they're going to have to slow him down. This can be my early opinion. They're just going to have to slow him down, hope to contain him, and uh, take advantage of every opportunity the Niners get. Yeah, I don't really think, um, at least recently, teams have been able to stop completely Lamar Jackson. The 
the guy's on fire. He's on a roll. He's uh, coming into his stride as an NFL player. And I think if they're somehow able to force him to make uh, plays strictly with his arm, they might have more luck. However, it is very, very hard containing a quarterback who's athletic and as mobile as he is. But I think that um, the defense will be able to handle him. Um, I think right now, to be honest with you, I'm not going to get too much into it because like you said, we do have a a preview episode coming out later on this week. However, I think that the 49ers are going to be able to do it. I'm not going to get into it and to how. However, I do think that um, Lamar Jackson is not going to be running wild. And to be short, he's not going to pull a Kaepernick a la Vikings a couple of years ago in the playoffs against this 49ers team this year. He's not going to have 180 yards rushing. And um, he might have a, you know, a, a big play here or there. However, I think the 49ers largely are going to keep him in check for most of the game. And then uh, my last question for the RGS mailbag comes from my cousin Thomas in San Antonio, Texas. Shout out to my cousin Thomas. He wants to know what you feel is the 49ers Achilles heel. So one of them is going to be more nitpicky because they don't really face it that often. And one of them is going to be the real Achilles heel. So the nitpicky one Mobile quarterbacks, we talked about it already, but I think the Niners, especially without Quan Alexander, will have a hard time going up against mobile quarterbacks moving forward. We still have to play Lamar. We got to go up against Russell Wilson again. And, I mean, Jared Goff is going to be running for his life, so I guess I'll count him as a mobile quarterback. But uh, nitpicking, the mobile quarterbacks are going to be tough to deal with. Hopefully we won't have to see him in the playoffs when that comes. But overall, dude... I think the Achilles heel of the Niners is going to be the turnovers. Garoppolo played a really clean game. Obviously, he fumbled one snap, but that didn't really result in anything other than a loss. Uh, We've seen how bad the turnovers can put the team in a bad position. Look at the Seattle game. Look at the Arizona game. So going forward, Garoppolo is going to need to take care of the ball. The running backs are going to need to hold on to the ball. The wide receivers are going to need to hold on to the ball. And looking at the defense, the defense is going to need to be able to force turnovers as well. We're getting to the point of the season where every possession matters at this point. And, you know, if the Niners can't score off of turnovers, and they kind of struggled against with scoring off turnovers in the Seattle game. But uh, again, going forward, scoring off turnovers, preventing turnovers is going to be the most important thing the Niners will face moving forward because... We've seen what happens, man. The Seahawks almost blew it on a Russell Wilson interception, but uh, that just goes to show that one turnover can be the difference between winning and losing a game. So ball security is going to be key for the Niners for the rest of the season and for the playoffs moving forward, no doubt. Okay, all right. I like it. I like it. Um, As far as for me, my Achilles heel, and it's more so of a hypothetical one, However, unfortunately, it has to be the receivers. It has to be the receivers and their health. Um, I think if this team is fully healthy, aside from a few boneheaded Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo throws or interceptions, whatever it may be, I think they've proven that they can overcome that. However, what they can't overcome, one, too many injuries, and two, receivers simply not catching the balls. Um, we saw against the Seattle game, they were not able to overcome that. And I think um, if the receivers are having an off night, if the receivers, you know, if Emmanuel Sanders is out, George Kittle is out, as we've seen, you know, God forbid Debo Samuel goes out as well, who is going to be the one to step up? Is it going to be KB? Is it going to be Dante Pettis? Is it going to be Richie James? Um, I mean, Marquise Goodwin was a healthy scratch tonight. So I really, really think the receivers could potentially be the Achilles heel of this team. And I hate to say it because... They've played pretty well up until now. And, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders came back tonight. We have been saying he's the key to this offense. He's the key to the 49ers winning tonight. He had, like, one catch. He was essentially a non-factor. So they've proven they can win without them. It's just a matter of the other guys stepping up. So that's going to be my answer. The receivers stepping up, continuing to do their job, continuing to get better, and not allowing the moment to be too big for them. And that's going to just about do it for this episode, guys. Uh, We really appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. If you like what you hear, please, please give us a review on whatever uh, platform you guys listen in on. Uh, I think we're up to 
10 reviews or so on Apple. 10, and we really, really appreciate this, guys. We check it out. We make sure. Um, we want to give thanks. We have like 10 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts right now, which is amazing. We could not be more grateful. Uh, give us a follow. RGS Pod, Zach Hernan, and then follow 49ers Hive. By the time this episode is released, uh, we will have announced who won our 49ers jersey giveaway in appreciation of us reaching 5,000 followers. Um, and I just want to end with this one quote from Kyle Shanahan tonight. Uh, he said that our guys aren't just in there pumped about where we're at. They're pumped about the possibilities where we can go. So just want to leave you guys with that thought. Um, don't be complacent with where you are. Strive to always be better no matter how far along you may think you are in your journey. Anthony, go ahead and let the guys know uh, where they can find you on social media and any closing thoughts from your end. All right, guys, as is the case, as is the closing for our podcast, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. And uh, again, dude, I, I'm just so proud of this defense. I'm so proud of this coaching staff. I'm so proud of this offense moving forward. And you hit the nail in the coffin with that, uh, with that Shanahan quote, dude. And another quote, too, I'm not going to read it word for word, but basically Sherman talking about how him and the team would go through a dark cave for Jimmy Garoppolo and make sure he came out untouched or a dark alley or whatever it was. That is an early indicator of what it's like to have a true leader on your team, not just being Sherman, but Garoppolo also. So this team is willing to go to battle for Garoppolo. Garoppolo is obviously willing to do the same and seeing the entire team on the, on the same page with the best chemistry in the league, arguably, that is how you win the Super Bowl, dude. That is how you go deep in the playoffs. So moving forward, keep that chemistry up, keep it rolling, and uh, let's get it going, dude. This is exciting, exciting football that we haven't been able to see in a hell of a long time. So let's go, fellas. 10-1, and one, baby. Let's get it. All right. I love it, man. And just real quick following up on that, I would be – I would be hard pressed to find a Richard Sherman quote where he is talking that, that, you know, gleefully and that proudly of Russell Wilson. I'm just throwing that out there. Take it for what it's worth. Um, I just thought it was funny, but yeah, it was awesome seeing Richard Sherman, you know, really, really praise Jimmy Garoppolo and just show how much the team appreciates him. And they really, really do like him as a leader. Um, Thanks for tuning in again, guys, to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. We'll catch up with you guys one more time before the 49ers meet with another huge game against the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Take care.